Hi friends, welcome to Everything Women Don't Talk About. I'm Melissa Picar or Melissa Flynn, however you met me. This is a show for women who want to have real conversations about the things that keep us up at night, but we're just not having them. For women who want to know they're not alone, they're not crazy, and that they have a bunch of women who want to help them tackle the tough stuff. Listen, we're all craving real, so let's do it. Let's be real. This is Melissa Picar and everything women don't talk about. Hi, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about something that uh, I looked up today because I'm a bit of a data geek. One in eight couples is facing infertility. And when you hear that stat, it may or may not mean anything to you, depending on your situation. But I think of it this way. Uh, We spend most of our lives trying not to get pregnant on the pill or whatever else. And then you get to this point in your life where you're saying, okay, I want a baby. And uh, you are told you can't, whether it's because you have um, some sort of, you know, ovarian issue or it's the man and you feel like this giant female failure Um, and then what you have to do then is just talk to your friends who have no frame of reference and unfortunately those women say I got pregnant on my honeymoon and you think to yourself I want to be happy for you but I hate you and so as someone who had to go through infertility this is close to my heart and I have two kids because of it but I would love to tell you that the process was pretty and it wasn't so Today, we're gonna talk about the all-consuming process that is infertility and what kind of things exist out there that are making it so hard on women, but more importantly, we're gonna talk about what we can do to help each other. So I have two awesome ladies um, with me today. I have Allison and Sarah, both of whom had to go through this process and had completely different experiences. But I think what's important to start off with is talking about when you find out and what it changes. So do you want to go ahead, Allison? Sure. So our journey started a couple years ago. Um, We actually got pregnant and then lost the baby. Um, We had to have a a DNC. And the doctor was like, you know what? It's fine. You're able to get pregnant. It's going to be super easy. Great. Let's go. And then, I mean, two and a half years of nothing. We did Clomid. Then we did IUIs, three failed IUIs. And then we started doing, you know, IVF. And... That process was awful, and I think we were talking about this the other day, but it's basically the most all-consuming, almost every second of every day, not even every minute, every five minutes. It's like, could this, am I doing something wrong? Is it me? Could this celery, you know, I read online, celery, I mean, cinnamon, daily, 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 every single thing. Oh, yeah. It's almost to the point where I would be talking to you, but I would have this inner monologue on a loop. Why can't I get pregnant? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with why is she pregnant? What's it? It just it just took over yeah, my entire right, right, right. life. It does too. It's all consuming to the point of where you're staring at people for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, what is she doing that I'm not? Mm-hmm. Right. And we would try crazy things. You know, like get on your head after and see if that works. I mean, crazy things that right. I would never see myself doing. And me that's either. Who I became. Same. Sarah, how about you? Yeah, no, it was similar. And I think, you know, my husband and I knew before we even got married that we were going to have trouble. Um, And so we had started naturally trying even before we got married and not even had so much as even a scare. Like we just couldn't get pregnant at all. Um, And so, you know, we, after we'd been married a year, we started down the, down the path and actually ended up switching doctors because the first one didn't even catch a couple of things that I had going on. And it turned out I needed a surgery 
And he was trying to be so conservative and avoid that. He's like, well, but it's surgery. And I said, yes, but everything else we're doing isn't working. And why are we wasting all this time? Um, and so I ended up switching doctors. They had me, that doctor had me in surgery three weeks later, you know, to remove things that were inhibiting my chances of pregnancy. And then it was kind of off to the races from there. But you end up scheduling everything around. Well, I have this test and I have this appointment and I need to be taking this medication and I have to do this at this time. And so everything else in your life gets centered around whatever that checklist is or whatever those things are Mm -hmm. that you're going to try and when you have to be at every appointment for every test or for every attempt and everything else fades into the background as a result of that. So... You know, so much comes to mind for me because I remember my own journey, which was really, really tumultuous. I mean, I think about it, it was not fun. It was very scary. And frankly, I was mad a lot, which you wouldn't think you'd be mad, but I know you both have expressed that as well. So what do you think it is about why we feel that we have to have children and then we have to hide it? And the reason I say this is that, you know, okay, one in eight women are um, infertile, right? Or cannot have babies supposedly without help. Okay, great. So you would think we're all talking about it. We're not. Not only are we not talking about it, we're not talking about it at work. We're not talking about it with our families a lot of times. Okay, so my question to both of you is, I mean, and I was lonely. I remember being so embarrassed and lonely. What a weird feeling when you think you could reach out to people and say, hey, I want to have a baby just like you. But no, I felt shame. So how, what drives us to want this and why are we like, We put so much on the line. So what's the drive? Like, what does that take? You both said it's like this drive. So explain that. I I know for me, you know, it was funny because for a lot of years, and Melissa, you know this, I I was staunchly like, I don't know if I'm going to have kids, you know? And then I, I can't explain it. One day it was like there was a banging in my head that would not stop and it was like baby 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 and everybody at work that was having kids like when they bring their their newborns in I'm just like I would be the first one that's there to like you know whatever and again I don't know if it was because I knew that now I was in a situation where I was it was going to be difficult I don't know if it just became an age thing I don't know if it's because I was finally with the right person I had always imagined I would be a mom, but it suddenly took on this urgency that was sort of overpowering and I can't really explain it. And it was like, and it became, it became a discussion point, um, for whether or not my husband and I were going to get married because I was like, I need to know that you will try everything. Like if we know we're going to have trouble, I need to know that everything is on the table and that you are willing to go on this weird, weird journey with me. Cause if not, that is absolutely a deal breaker. Like I knew I was Primal. ready to do whatever <laughs> needed to happen for yeah. us to have a family. So, okay. So I want to, I have so much to add, but go ahead. What was yours similar? No. Um, no. So I have little brothers and sisters, like my little brother's only 18. There's almost a 17 year gap between us. Wow. And so I helped raise him. I helped raise my other littlest sister. She's 20. You know, and I was like, I don't know. And so my husband and I got married, and I don't know. And he kept saying, I know you're going to want kids. And I'm like, ah, I helped raise babies. I'm fine. But for us, the second, we weren't trying. And the second I saw the positive pregnancy test for the first time, that's when everything changed for me. And I was like, oh, my God. It was overnight. I mean, it was not overnight. It was that instant. I was like, oh, I want this more than anything I've ever wanted in my whole life. And then when it was taken away, I was like, all right, we're buckling down for the next almost three years to get this. 
Right. It was so crazy. It was just, it's like I saw it. I was like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to be a mom. Here we go. And I don't think I was mentally prepared for the journey, you know, and that might be where the shame and everything came from. I was, yeah. And I was explaining it to my best friend because I told her I was going to be doing this. And I said, and we talked about this too. It's like, I am a type A person. If I work for something, I get it. (laughs) I don't fail. And ever my whole life, it's like, yep, let's go. This is how it's going to be. And I couldn't. It's like, no matter what I tried, it wasn't working. And that made it worse and worse and worse. And then it got, I think, to the point of that shame. Mm-hmm. And all these ladies all around me are popping out babies left and right. I'm like, oh, did you just fall and got pregnant? Congratulations. But I know. Yeah. That's what we talked about. And for anybody who's listening, if you are trying to get pregnant and you walk and see women who are pregnant and you shoot daggers into their face and they're strangers and you hate them, that is actually, you're not a bad person. Yeah. That is part of this process. That's absolutely part of it. I mean, I hate to say it, but everyone you talk to, it has nothing to do with the person. It's because you have this like inner drive. But I remember, I, I think I told you ladies, I was walking down the street with the dogs and I saw this woman pregnant and I, a normal human would smile and say, how beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I'm going to kill you with my eyes. Like, because it's just, I wanted a baby so badly, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you've never seen a pregnant person and then suddenly when it's on your brain, you only, only see, see pregnant people. <laughs> You're like, what happened? Did suddenly the entire world get knocked up? Overnight. And it's literally everyone. Yes. yes. And they're like, we didn't even try. Yeah. And you think, Please don't talk to me ever again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about the emotional journey because I think that's the thing that gets not talked about. So you you decide you want a baby, and then, by the way, you, you're, you have to go through infertility. The stuff that nobody ever told me and that I was incredibly embarrassed about, and I think it's gotten better because that was obviously a long time ago now, but still, the fact that we go to work and how that plays out at work, and I know, Allison, you got to speak to that for us, and... Sarah, I want you to talk about some of your life experiences, but what is it that this journey is so emotional? Like, I will tell you, it it changes your sex life because all of a sudden you are going from, oh, I want to have sex for fun to meet me there at Tuesday uh, and we'll meet you in this room and let's hope it takes and uh, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. And it makes it really super sexy to shoot, shoot yourself in the leg all the time with... Uh, with you know infertility drugs and all that stuff it changes your relationship it changes how you look at life what your clothes fit that's not the fun process that is not having sex and having a baby that is like putting yourself through a war yeah but we do it and we don't talk about it i don't know about you but i didn't exactly go to work and be like you want to see my bruised hips from where i stab myself all day right i mean so allison talk about work because you are a very good example of work that didn't get what was going on. Yes. And that, so I'll talk about the work piece, but basically when we decided to move base, we had exhausted all our resources in terms of IUI and Clomid and all the things. Now it's time for IVF. The very first day, I think she was trying to be helpful. The nurse said, you know, you're going to be coming all the time. It was out in Bedford. So it was an hour drive. I mean, it took forever to get out there. We had a woman who lost her job because she had to come so many times. And I'm thinking, Holy shit. Yes. Sorry. Um, yes. Work is our way to afford this because insurance covered it. So I cannot expensive. lose my job. So I think some, you know, when you're on hormones and your brain is getting crazy. So I internalized that of, okay, like we're going to do this. I would take calls, you know, giving myself a shot. I would take calls in the room during during the scans. I mean, constantly. I didn't, 
I mean, my boss knew I was going through it, but it wasn't like a, don't worry, I got this. You know, I just kind of closed myself off and like channeled or channeled, funneled towards my goal. I, I like channels. Yeah, 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 it, yeah, felt, yeah, it, yeah it felt yeah, like that. It. So it got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to stop this because I'm putting my health definitely second and I need to focus on that to get pregnant. We did our egg retrieval and I love that Amy Schumer is talking about this right now and how crazy she is after surgery because it is a surgery that I got on a plane. I was throwing up in the, we went to IHOP after and I was so nauseous from the medicine, from all the anesthesia. And then I got on a plane to go to New Jersey for a client meeting that day. I look back and I can't even believe that I did that, no. that I agreed to that. Ugh. I was so <laughs> sick I can't. on I, the plane. I can't believe you did that. And I was bleeding and I was just like, what is this life? And I was still so scared. Did that you I would, lose your job? Yes. And I remember the CEO was in that meeting. I was like, I have to be there. I can't. They cannot know. So the woman who lost her job that you had mentioned, that was because she had missed too many, mm-hmm. because of infertility uh-huh. stuff. Yep. So she that's what we're facing, right? So this mm-hmm. also speaks to the issue of women, sh- you should have it all, but pretend yes. that nothing's happening and don't let it affect your work. I think I told you both that I literally was so swollen from all the, the I had a major over egg situation, so they had to retrieve them, that, it, that I had, I took on two liters of liquid. So on my little body. So I wore a man's coat and buttoned it up at work so that nobody could see. And somebody asked me later, gosh, I, have you have you put on some weight? Or you? I mean, like, they said it nicely, and I remember thinking, don't talk to me. Yeah. Right? You have no idea. Yeah. But I'm really, hiding This is it. not a fashion this choice. Is not, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm dressed, I'm Miss Dress Up. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, that's what we're facing, right? And so work still. Do you think it's any better, Sarah? What was your... So I, I didn't have that kind of experience with, with work. I was really, I was really fortunate with the team I was on. Um, and that I talked about it enough that I actually ended up running into other people in my company who had been through it, men and women, right? And some of the men would talk about how they had gone through it with their wives. So that my team always knew that I was why I was coming and going and everyone was generally really supportive. The work still has to get done though. You know what I mean? So it, it to your point, Melissa, you end up with this whole thing of, I'm supposed to be doing everything. So even though I'm talking about it, what I wasn't talking about was how I felt about any of it. So everyone knew, you know, oh, I have to go do this test and, oh, this is super uncomfortable. And now like the 35th medical professional in the Dallas-Fort Worth area is going to have seen me naked, which is always great. Um, Cause they send you to a different place for every single thing. Um, but at no point, you know, did anybody So how did you know, feel about it? I mean, everything, right? Everything from terrified to, I wish I could just quit everything else I'm doing and focus on this to, um, you know, feeling distant from my husband, to feeling super close to my husband, to just being exhausted. I mean, it's, it's every feeling you could possibly have and you try it. And the, and the part that infuriates me the most about the whole thing is that the whole process is so focused on you physically. Mm-hmm. And other than my doctor saying, you know, you guys should just try to relax which is not helpful. Never helpful. Never helpful. It's like when you're mad and someone just goes, oh, just calm down. Right. Because that's simple. (laughs) There was no, at any part of the process where anyone, you know, in in the medical profession said anything or asked anything about just how are you handling this? You know, this is what we see with patients. 
these are some things that can happen. Is there somebody you'd like to talk to? I mean, just nothing. Mm -hmm. So that part was what was really isolating. I was very upfront with people about the process and people were generally supportive of all that. But the emotional bit, I, I didn't know how to talk about it. And certainly nobody, I wasn't equipping anyone else to know how to ask. So what do you think people, if you, I think you said this, Allison, if nobody has a frame of reference, like, so if you're one of these people that did get pregnant on your honeymoon are like, oh my gosh, it's number four. And for those of us who are just thinking, I just want an embryo. I would like one healthy embryo. So, but that's not their fault. So what, what do you say to that? I mean, the people who come up, for example, and you're in the middle of it, and let's say you are or aren't talking about your process and they say, aren't you guys going to have a baby? Aren't you thinking about having a baby? And they have no idea what they just tapped into because you've been trying and trying and trying. Yeah. So what do you say? I knew that during the, when we had to have the DNC and it was unsedated, it was awful. I fainted on the table. It was a very traumatic, very traumatic experience. And I didn't tell anyone. I didn't even write about it until recently, just for the first time. And so I realized that, okay, I am going to talk about this, but I realized, like you said, okay, but no one understood. I had a couple friends who'd done IUIs and they could understand and know that sucks and how is it and but I hadn't met a lot of people who'd done IVF honestly I think you were the first person I talked to Melissa you Uh I'm pointing at Melissa right now (laughs) (laughs) but it's almost we were talking about this the other day it's almost like I I never experienced it and I didn't know how to talk about it and nobody in my circle knew even what to ask and I'm like yeah I'm doing shots but it was just so aloof that I, I wouldn't say I'm doing shots and my brain is crazy and I can't think and I'm talking to you and I'm not talking to you. You know, it wasn't, it's almost like I wouldn't let myself go there because I felt like I had to be strong to keep going or else I'm just going to, I won't be able to do this Mm -hmm. or something. I can't, I've been thinking about it all weekend. It's almost like I had to turn a part of me off. Like my sister says, I turned my heart off. Like that's like her saying if something hurts and I'm like, I think I turned my heart off to help almost. The process. The process and then people asking and I just kind of went into this Probably zone. Probably operational yeah. zone. Yeah. Like, let's just get, well, I, mean, yeah. I think too, what people don't know, which is such an interesting part of infertility. And so anybody listening who doesn't know or who is going through this, it you don't have a choice of it being all consuming or not because it literally factually is. Every day, every minute matters. So you have to take this shot this day, mm-hmm. this shot this day, then at 24 hours, no, you have to meet exactly at the doctor at 3 p.m. tomorrow for whatever. So how do you even get it out of your mind? I'm trying to work on client work or whatever, and you're like, no, 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 baby, baby, baby. Three well, o'clock. And forget having a life. I mean, because the thing right. is, is, I mean, I know most of my shots had to be done in the evening. Yeah. And so, like, we were going through it. It was my birthday. We were out at dinner, and we timed it to where we could go to dinner And I wore a dress so that way we could just stop in the house real quick and I could just very quickly like lift it up and shoot myself in the stomach and then go on to the next thing we were doing. So we we booked our reservation and gave ourselves a time frame to be at dinner to then go home so I could shoot up all all my infertility drugs and then go out and finish the rest of our evening, you know, and... We had a lot of that. We were we were doing that um, with our first round of IUI uh, that did not work. Um, we were going to a concert. We were going to see Florence and the Machine, and I got a doctor's note, and I got a little container because my shot had to stay refrigerated because it was a trigger shot, so it had to be at a certain time. It was like the whole point of the whole thing. And so 
at a certain time, I had an alarm set and I left the concert and I go into a bathroom at the American Airlines Center and pray that nobody walks in because I don't want to have to explain why I'm this like weird lady with a syringe and a vial and I'm like <laughs> measuring out and tapping the thing, you know, and then like lifting up my shirt so I can shoot myself in the stomach. And I remember a cleaning person walked in just as I was finishing up and I was, I froze like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> I was just like, hello. <laughs> wrong but I wasn't I took had to do all these just to try to have a normal right. life even outside of work and outside of everything else because right. they tell you it has to happen at this time or forget it and you lose another month and you start all over yeah that's a good point because it almost is embarrassing <laughs> when it doesn't need to be embarrassing I remember we were at El Phoenix and we had to go it was during IUI time yes and we had to go out to the car and do the shot and I was so apologetic to my family and I'm like why like, I'm so sorry and they're like you're being weird. Just go. And I was huh. embarrassed. I can't. But why? I don't know. We, we had, so <laughs> because like if somebody who's diabetic who has to right. take one shot and right. a meal, like <laughs> it's, it's so sorry. I have to take. Yeah, this. They no, they would never apologize. They would never think anything of it. They I just. Think, I think it's it because I think it's because there is something sexual related with this too. Because it's like feels like you're making a baby. So if you go to the car, you're like, I'm gonna go take one step towards making a baby, and then I'll be back for dessert. Like, there's yeah. something about it that feels a maybe, little taboo. Maybe yeah. that's the message. Infertility is the least sexual thing you could ever possibly experience. Well said. Because everyone's <laughs> like, well, you know, you get to pra-. I remember hearing somebody say, well, you get to practice a lot. And I remember thinking, I don't know if you've ever gone through this. Because that's not how this works. They take over your body and you are a robot. You yeah. will do what they say. Oh, I joke all the time because... I Chandler bing my way through life that <laughs> when my kids get old enough to ask mommy where do babies come from my answer is just going to be oh yeah. honey they come from a lab like I'm going to defer the sex talk for a while <laughs> and they're going to get screwed up but I'm going to defer it for a little bit because in our world that's how babies get made well but you know what here's I mean I guess the thing that I I wish somebody had said to me and I don't know what people listening are thinking or what you're going through but I mean it was it was a very traumatic time in my life I'll just be really honest it was very traumatic I would love to tell you that I had you know fully positive feelings the whole time that it was going to work I didn't at all um I was putting my trust in doctors um I remember thinking what happens if I don't what if this doesn't work because I'd already tried this and it didn't work and I tried this and it didn't work and I tried this what if it happens and you start questioning your identity like what if I'm not a mom you're like, okay, well, you're still going to be like, what about adoption? And then you think, no, no adoption. Or maybe, you know, you go through this whole journey in your head and then somebody says something like, you know, or you have to tell them it didn't work. I've been working. And they're oh, so sorry. They have no idea what you've been through. Right. Especially if they have a baby. Right. And it can't even. But isn't this kind of like a lot of stuff in life? If you haven't been through it, there is no context for you. Yes. Um, one thing I was thinking about that is. What I've noticed, especially in this Me Too movement and all the things that we're in right now, if people can see themselves and they can identify, it helps the general conversation and it helps expand it. I mean, everything from, you know, Me Too to, you know, if you have a disability or whatever that is, Mm -hmm. it's like, this is now being talked about. I'm marginalized. I feel seen. People understand. And it helps everyone. And I think with infertility, it's not a thing. It's like we talk about pregnancy and now work is so much better and people are so much more understanding and caring and compassionate. Now maternity leave, we have pat leave, we have all these things, we have resources. And it's like this little area before 
that there's not a lot of people talking about there's it. There's no infertility leave. Right. And there's right. not a lot of caring and there's not a lot of, it's almost like you're so in it, you can't even bring it up to be an advocate for yourself to other people. <laughs> but I was just telling you guys before we started, for the first time ever, last night during the SAG Awards, there was a Northwestern Mutual commercial and it was a couple going through infertility and they turned to the bank for help because they were like, this is the last thing we expected. And my husband and I are, wait, what did they just say? Right, yeah. There's an actual yeah. commercial during prime time and we're talking about infertility? Right. Shocked. Right. But I was thinking, okay, maybe that's one of the first things that can happen to start kind right. of turning the conversation. Yeah. It right. has to start somewhere. Right. And I think I'm going to tweet them and just tell them how proud I am and how much that meant because I yeah. saw myself for the first time. For the first... It does take yeah. seeing it does. yourself. In 2020? Like okay. I mean, 20, yeah. For the first time. It was yeah. crazy. Right. That's so, true. I think seeing yourself maybe... I think that's I think that's a lot of it. I mean, you know, you ask the question, like, what do you do when people ask, right? And two things. I mean, one, we should just stop asking women if they're going to have babies... Anyway, period, yes, right? Like, so forget here. whether or not, like, cause, and, but we all, and we all do it. And, and I've been guilty of it too. Kids. What if you don't want, what if you don't want kids? What if you can't have kids? What if, whatever, I mean, we're so right? Nosy. But, but it's like, we do that. It's <laughs> what like, if you you're, just you're had da- failed IVF? Right. Yeah. But like, talking. <laughs> you're dating someone, we go, when are you getting married? You get married, we go, when are you having a baby? Right. Or like, whatever, right? So we, A, we should just stop asking women well those said. questions. Um, Preach. You know, but every infertility case is so different. Mm-hmm. Right, you never know why or how. When there's, you know, any number of things that could happen. It could be any. It could be any number. Right, any of it. And you know, because and I thought a lot about when we were trying to figure out, you know, what avenue do we go down for this conversation? And it, it, it's even when you've been through it, even hard to know where to begin. Because like, like when Christina introduced you and I, she was like, "Hey, you know," and I'm pointing at Allison, you know, and said, "Hey, you know, you guys are both going have gone through this, and I think you guys would be great friends, and you, you know, whatever." So like, I reached out to you. But we never really got together. And the more I thought about it, I was like, I have no, I don't even know what to ask you, right? I don't even know how to make an inroads there. And I've been through it, but I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your threshold is for talking about it. I don't know what kind of support you need. I wouldn't even know where to start. So and what, I've done it. So what do we say then you know? to women who are listening and feel alone? Like me, I was that person. Like I was not you. I did not talk to people about it. I was freaking ashamed. And I was like by myself going, I'm a type A personality career woman and I'm going to put a large shirt on and hope no one notices. I mean, it was awful. So what do we say to women listening? Like, is it the more we talk about it, the better it is? Ah, is that true? I mean, it it is. But is that fair to ask women? I saw this tweet the other day and it was it was just said the best thing to do for someone if there it was about grief. It said, do you want me to listen or do you want me to offer advice? Oh, that's great. It's like, like just that. approach things like that. And so, you know, maybe that could help. Yeah. And just I'm so here. sorry I didn't reach out. I don't think I was ready to talk about it then, you know? Right. Which like, and, that's the, and I didn't just, think any, by the way, I didn't think yeah. anything of it because I, I would have, I, w- I was like, you know, wherever you're at is where you're at. And yeah. I would have, and that's, that's that, you know, I just wanted you to know I was there if you wanted Thank somebody. You. And if not, yeah. then that was totally fine too. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think to your guys' point, you know, other people even just talking about it. So people have those ways to see themselves, right? Like I take every opportunity to talk about yeah, infertility. Um, our doctor asked us to do an interview with them. Like we did, I, I, cause I'm just like, yes, let's talk about it. And even if other people don't know how to share their journeys, at yeah. least maybe just knowing that none of us are alone in this because 
One and eight. One one and eight. And And none of us know what we're doing. And once you start talking, no, we have no idea. And once you start talking about it, you just, every time I talk about it, I have people that come out of the woodwork that are just like, this happened to me. I went through this. We went, you know, we had all these rounds that didn't work or, you know, nothing worked. And then we adopted and then we got pregnant out of nowhere. I mean, just, and there's. Yes. Every version of every story, and so that's good advice. You know, just knowing that you're not by yourself because there's so many, and there's so many different versions of it that that you're not weird either. No, like, you're right. You're right. So I just did this rainbow baby shoot, and it was beautiful, and it was all these mm-hmm. we were all colors of the rainbow, and each woman lost babies, and we all cry. It was amazing. But I, that's when I decided to share my entire story because I hadn't talked about it at all. Like, even my best friends didn't know a lot of the pieces at the beginning. And I had so many women reach out to me. Work friends, people that connected me just Mm -hmm. on Facebook privately. Yes. And that's what I did. I just said, do you want me to listen or do you need advice? And each one said something different. Oh, that's such good. Okay, so I'm going to use that now. And I will... um, I stole it too. No, I love it. (laughs) This is advice. This is what we're supposed to be doing. No, I would just say that the one thing that I have done, and my boys will be 15 this year... um, is that people regularly ask me, oh, or they, if they don't know them, are they fraternal or are they identical? And I say fraternal. I had IVF and I said, they are Petri dish babies and the best things that ever happened to me. And I put it out there every time. Like I can't think of a time now that I don't say that phrase because I want people to know that I am proud. I am proud of IVF. I am not embarrassed by it anymore. And I think I was So I guess I would say if you're out there and you're listening and you've had IVF, tell people, please, because guess what? It will open somebody. You'll probably have somebody dump tears all over you at some point. I had that. And I'd be like, sorry, I wasn't trying to tap it. But they need it. The other thing is, no, you're not alone because it's a scary process. And you think, oh, my gosh, I'm on the path to a baby. I had no idea this is what it was going to be like. It can have a great outcome. I hope for everybody that it does. But in the meantime, just know you're not alone. And you're not weird. You're not. You're hormonal. You're not weird. But you are hormonal and you're probably very bruised. (laughs) They'll go away, guys. They'll go away. In closing, as I always say to folks, please go be kind to each other and go be real and talk to your friends and share your stories. And if you're not ready, just listen. Don't give advice, right? Good advice. Thank you, Allison. If you like what you're hearing, do me a favor, go on to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast, or even better, write us a review. We need to keep these real conversations coming.